Hey everybody, welcome back. Good morning, afternoon, or evening whenever you're listening to this. This is JP from the Sacred Commons. We're going to continue on with our readings from St. Alphonsus on the preparation for death. This reading is Consideration 7, the sentiments of a dying Christian who has been careless about the duties of religion and has thought but little of death. We so often think about how Death gives meaning. It centers us. It helps us pilot our lives. It helps us make decisions. It brings a gravity into our decision-making process, into our discernment. As a pastor, sometimes we hear about people who die in a sad state. You want to hear the story of good deaths, of deaths that... um, that only mourn the loss of loved ones and that separation that comes of saying goodbye. It's the worst to hear about a death where there's more to be mourned than just that separation. And one of the things that St. Alphonsus does really well here is he begins to create a picture that shows how sad it is to not die well and what it is that will lead us to not dying well the pitfalls, the traps, getting caught up with things in this world that just make us regret those things later on in life. And so this consideration has some intense gravity to it. This is the first point, sad state of the worldling. That's what he calls someone who has lived for the world, the worldling at death. Imagine yourself at the bedside of a negligent Christian who is overpowered by sickness and has but a few hours to live. Behold him, oppressed by pains, by swoons, by suffocation, by want of breath, by cold perspiration, his reason so impaired that he feels but little, understands little, and can speak but little. The greatest of all his miseries is that though at the point of death, instead of thinking of his soul and of preparing accounts for eternity, befixes all his thoughts on physicians on the remedies by which he may be rescued from sickness and from the pains which will soon put an end of life. Quote, they are unable to have any other thought of themselves, says St. Lawrence Justinian, speaking of the condition of negligent Christians at the hour of death. They can think only of themselves. Surely his relatives and friends will admonish the dying Christian of his danger? No. There is not one among all his relatives and friends who has the courage to announce to him the news of death and to advise him to receive the last sacraments. Through fear of offending him, thy all refuse to inform him of his danger. O my God, from this moment I thank thee that at death I shall, through thy grace, be assisted by my beloved brothers and sisters of my congregations who will then have no other interest than that of my eternal salvation, and will all help me to die well. But though he is not admonished of his approaching death, the poor sick man, seeing the family in disorder, the medical consultations repeated, the remedies multiplied, frequent and violent, is filled with confusion and terror, assaulted by fears, remorse, and distrust, He says within himself, Perhaps the end of my days has arrived. But what will be his feelings when he is told that death is at hand? 
quote, Take order with thy house, for thou shalt die, and shalt not live. What pain will he feel in hearing these words? Your illness is mortal. It is necessary to receive the last sacraments, to unite yourself to God, and to prepare to bid farewell to the world. What? exclaims the sick man. Must I take leave of all, of my house, my villa, my my relatives, my friends, conversations, games, and amusements? Yes, you must take leave of all. The lawyer is already come, and writes this last farewell. I bequeath such a thing and such a thing, etc. And what does he take away with him? Nothing but a miserable rag, which will soon rot with him in the grave. Oh, with what melancholy and agitation will the dying man be seized at the sight of the tears of the servants, at the silence of his friends, who have not courage to speak in his presence. But his greatest anguish will arise from the remorse of his conscience, which in that tempest will be rendered more sensible by the remembrance of the disorderly life he has until then led. In spite of so many calls and lights from God, of so many admonitions from spiritual fathers, and of so many resolutions made but never executed or afterward neglected, he will then say, Oh, unhappy me, I've had so many lights from God, so much time to tranquilize my conscience, and have not done so. Behold, I am now arrived at the gate of death. What would it have cost me to have avoided such an occasion of sin, to have broken off such a friendship, to have frequented the tribunal of penance? Ah, very little. But, though they had cost me much pain and labor, I ought to have submitted to every inconvenience in order to save my soul, which is of more importance to me than all the goods of this world. Oh, if I had put into execution the good resolutions which I had made on such an occasion, if I had continued the good works which I began at such a time, how happy should I now feel? But these things I have not done, and now there is no more time to do them. The sentiments of dying sinners who have neglected the care of their souls during life are those of the damned who mourn in hell over their sins as the cause of their suffering, but mourn without fruit and without remedy. To me, what I sense here in the writings of St. Alphonsus is that he does a really good job at sharing with us the gravity of life and how there is a wisdom that we can receive when we contemplate death. There is the wisdom that we can benefit from in how we live with death at the center. If we live with death at the center, then we will have a better chance of avoiding the pitfalls, the dilly-dallying, the waste of time, the waste of money, the waste of energy and resources. We, we will free ourselves from attachments that can make us have a bad death, uh, a sad death, a death that, that is not received by our soul, a death that makes us lament and mourn how we live. It's when we center ourselves around death, when we remember that we are dust, when we remember the finality of this life, when we remember that we will return to the earth, 
It's when we contemplate what it means to be the food of worms that we can make this life count. It's then that we can make this life bear fruit. It's then that we can have a good death, that we can die well. And so he moves on to his reflections and prayers, and he says, Lord, if it were at this moment announced to me that my death was at hand, such would be the painful sentiments that would torture my soul, talking about what he just said. I thank thee for giving me this light and of giving me time to enter into myself. O my God, I will no longer fly from thee. Thou hast sought after me long enough. I have just reason to fear that thou while abandon me. If I now made so bad use of it, if I now made so bad use of it, I have loved creatures and have not loved thee, my creator and my redeemer, who has given thy life for the love of me. Instead of loving thee, how often have I offended, how often have I despised thee and turned my back upon thee. I knew that by such a sin I insulted thee, and still I have committed it. My Jesus, I am sorry for all my sins. They displease me above all things. I wish to change my life. I renounce all the pleasures of the world in order to love and please thee. O God of my soul, thou hast given me strong proof of thy love. I too would wish before death to give thee some proofs of my love. From this moment, I accept all the infirmities, crosses, insults, and offenses that I receive from men. Give me strength to submit to them with peace. I wish to bear them all for the love of thee. I like that line. I love thee, O infinite goodness. I love thee above every good. Increase my love. Give me holy perseverance. Mary, my mother, pray to Jesus for me.